With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Sam Amick from The Athletic, and you can listen to me, Fred Katz, and Anthony Slater break down the inside story of what is happening in the NBA. Latest news, trades, signings, all of the above. Latest action on the floor. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show and listen to Tampering every Tuesday. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Who's their best young talent? Nick Claxton? We got Kevin Knox, bitch. Bruh. New York strip steak? This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. Trevon Edwards is here. Jay King is here. Wozni Lambre is here. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Review, rate, five stars. Leave any kind of comment you want, but just throw five stars in there and it makes it look good uh, no matter what. Coming up on today's show, we might have new owners in Minnesota. We got some ejections and a very interesting conversation that Jay and I will not participate in. Uh, we've got some uh, some sunny times in Phoenix with Chris Paul, and then we got a little bit of an MVP conversation to have. So, guys, let's start off with A-Rod. Alex Rodriguez is going to be in negotiations, exclusive negotiations pretty soon, thanks to uh, John Krasinski and Shamstrani of The Athletic. Um, for for reporting this uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Glenn Taylor as Glenn Taylor has been trying to sell this team for actually a very long time. And then at one point he bought more of the team and then he's been trying to sell it for a couple of years now. And um, I'll just say, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that this has been the worst organization in basketball under the Glenn Taylor rule. Um, he's not like, He's not James Dolan, Dan Gilbert, Donald Sterling bad, but there is a level of apathy within the organization, always with people at the top. Uh, we're talking even above like the general manager and stuff that is just set in a, a standard that's not very good, right? We had the Glenn Taylor situation, which he made Andrew Wiggins promise to try harder uh, as he was giving him $150 million. Like that's just like one example. We had the whole fiasco with Kevin Garnett in which he questioned Kevin Garnett's uh, determination, heart, and effort uh, right after they traded Kevin Garnett to Boston. And that's not something you do. And then there's just been some negotiations that are up for debate on whether or not uh, he was fair to Kevin Garnett in trying to get Kevin Garnett in an ownership group to to buy the organization. And so now we have A-Rod as part of a, of a bidding group to become minority owners in the team. And then I believe two and a half years from now, they would become majority owners and so, Waz, when you hear that A-Rod fails to buy the Marlins, he fails to buy the Mets, I think he breaks up with J-Lo, and now he's going to buy the Wolves. Waz, this feels like a spiral, you know? Even if you become a billionaire and, <laughs> and, you, and you end up as the owner of the Minnesota Temples, it feels a little bit like a spiral. I mean, if we're doing a power ranking of sexiest professional American sports franchises to own. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about A-Rod being sexy right there. I thought that was going I mean, on a different direction. I thought, yeah, he is I did sexy. Too. The guy's handsome. That's, <laughs> that goes without saying. I don't need to even need to discuss that part of it. Um, <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves is not the sexiest franchise in professional sports. But, you know, like they always say, there's only but so many teams, right? And these guys want to be in ownership. They want to feel like they have skin in the game again. Um, and, you know, congrats to A-Rod if he's part of an ownership group that's making that happen. Um, like Zach mentioned, Glenn Taylor hasn't exactly been a model owner when your team never makes the playoffs, like ever, ever. Um, that starts at the top. 
That's leadership Loss. or lack thereof. So A-Rod and Mark Lord might disagree because in their statement, they said that Glenn Taylor built a legacy <laughs> and an amazing foundation Yo, in Trey, Minnesota. I built so. a legacy with podcasts. I don't know that's something people want to follow, okay? <laughs> I just had to put that out there, man, because, you know... It's cool that you're selling this to me, but you don't have to. You don't have to stroke my ego that much, bro. <laughs> you don't know that might be part of the negotiations. You know, hey, hey you got to say this publicly if you want to buy, it, even have a chance at buying this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's cra- that's a crazy lie, though. <laughs> that's a crazy lie. And then the fact to like, obviously, like Waz said, I've seen it floating around where everybody's like, oh, he has to get KG involved. I'm like, it, it would be player if he did. But you're talking about a guy who asked to double Kevin Garnett's salary when he was in Seattle. When he was like, yo, I, I, I need 200. Oh, the basketball dudes are getting 126? All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I need 200 for sure. And for him to walk away unscathed with $500 million to play with and now get a chance to buy a franchise. Oh, and got a WNBA team in the yeah. process. Like, oh, here, a throw-in. Um, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with this. This is an incredible day. For Timberwolves fans, or at least it will be when this whole thing is finalized. They they have mismanaged that team for since its inception. Yes. They had Kevin Garnett and totally squandered that era. Like he was, if not the best player in the game, at least in the top handful of players in the game, both offensively and defensively for a while. And they totally squandered it. They were starting like Lauren Woods and, and people like that next to him. And and so, as a you're a Wolves fan, right, Zach? I used to Damn, be. Damn, why used did to legendary really Wildcat had to catch a stray like that? Jesus, <laughs> sorry. Lauren <laughs> <laughs> Woods, Rasho Nesterovich. Uh, Wait, hold on. I, who I'm else? gonna give you the top who ten? Would, I'm gonna give you the top ten uh, Wolves players uh, for games played in the franchise's uh, Kevin Garnett era. You keep you filibuster. I'll get ready. I to hope you. Dean Garrett's in there. It's. I mean, Wally Serbiak was way up there among the best best Wolves Kevin Garnett ever played with. But honestly, like, Wolves fans for a long time should have been rooting for this. Glenn Taylor doesn't just run one of the worst teams in sports. He also has pissed off a lot of people that matter most to that franchise. Like, to, to take shots at KG after the way that that they just wasted KG's prime... And and KG gave everything he had to them. Like he, he was always the hardest, one of the hardest playing superstars in the league. And so it's always bugged me how Glenn Taylor has run that team. It's always bugged me how he's carried himself. And he's never been like the that out front owner. Like he's you're not going to hear from him as much as Mark Cuban. But it seems like he just does his damage behind the scenes. And and it's pretty obvious that he's misrun things based on how mediocre to very bad they've been for a long so, time. 1995 to 2007, which was the Kevin Garnett era, or the first one, I should say. Number one in games played, Kevin Garnett, 927 games during that time. Number two, Sam Mitchell, 513. Number three, Wally Zerbiak, 438. Number four, Anthony Peeler, 379. Number five, Rasho Nesterovich, 316. Uh, number six, oh, actually tied for number five with Rasho, Trenton Hassel. Number seven, Dean Garrett. Number eight, Troy Hudson, number nine, Joe Smith, number 10, Terry Porter. That's top 10 in games played during the Kevin Garnett era for the Timberwolves. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. always like, yeah, but they had like that, that season with Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell. That was one year. That was one year. Terry Porter played in the 1992 NBA final. <laughs> <laughs> Watts makes a great point. He does. I mean, I think, like, I think TP was only crazy. there for three seasons. Like, I think. I think he played every game. I think yeah, he was there for three it seasons. Wasn't that long. Yeah. Joe Smith. Yeah. Joe Smith is the guy it's that kinda, he It's kind of similar to being a, a net, What's too, that? though. Because you, I said it's kind of similar to being a net. Because, like, I feel like every game these players are, these the big three are breaking a record. <laughs> yeah. Just randomly. <laughs> it's just breaking a record randomly. I'm like, yo, what? That was a record that just had hadn't been broken. Been broken? Yeah. That's crazy when you could just break a record like that. You know that team has been bad for so long. Like LeBron, he went through, he probably passed Cleveland's records in like the first six seasons. Oh, yeah. Pro- well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, here, number one and two all time in, in three-pointers made for the Wolves, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. 
<laughs> that's crazy. Damn. That's crazy that Wiggy that that Wiggs is in there already. Wiggs is fifth all time you're... in games played for the Wolves. Gorgie Jang is fourth. If you're <laughs> that's crazy. If you're a T Wolves fan, absolutely you should be celebrating. I um I'm happy for y'all because like you guys, I suffered under oppressive ownership as a Mets fan. And now Bobby Axelrod owns our team. <laughs> and we about to be lit, baby. Yeah. And and when there when your franchise has a bad owner, like there's nothing you can root for as a fan. Like th- there is a level of mismanagement that a franchise just can't overcome. Right. Now and and so like you can't you can't root for people to be fired you can't root for a, a new super I mean you can root for a new superstar but then even if they get a new superstar it's like there's no promise or even re- real hope right. that things will change so having a new owner is just it's a new day it's yeah. a new day for the Timberwolves and I have no idea whether this ownership group will be good but I just know it's different and that's a very right. good thing right. for Timberwolves fans. it could be oh my God we just brought in the next Joe Lacob and Peter Goober right or it could be Oh my God! We just brought in the next Vivek. But you don't know. It's it's that exciting. <laughs> you don't know because uh, Cohen and in Golden State, horrible owner, and so the massive upgrade. The Maloofs, horrible owners. An upgrade in having money, but not an upgrade in incompetence so far with the with the Kings. And so I guess this gives actual hope to to Wolves fans. I do want to be so- somewhat fair though. Glenn Taylor did save the team from moving to New Orleans in the mid nineties. He came in, bought the team when that the first ownership group didn't have any money. He kept them there. He's made it very uh, clear that any attempt to sell the team means that the new ownership group has to keep them there. Now there's been some interesting wording in some of the reporting so far. Like the idea Mm -hmm. is the plan is to keep Minnesota with a, with an NBA team. So there's a chance Seattle. There's a chance the Seattle. I mean, no, <laughs> I don't want to do no, that to Minnesota, though, man. Trey, that's Minnesota. what you have to worry about, right? Because Clay Bennett came in saying all the right things. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll keep the Sonics here. And then had no intention. Moved their ass to, to Oklahoma City. Yeah, and moved and yeah. moved them straight out. Yeah, you because, know? I mean, 2023, here we go. We may be in a situation yeah, but like that. I mean, I, but I would like basketball to stay in Minnesota. It is a, it is a good market for you know, some it. Some good people out in and, Minnesota. And I do think that the NBA would rather expansion to Seattle and expansion to, um, to Vegas at some point. So I don't, I would put the odds on it, a heavy favorite to keep the wolves in Minnesota, but you don't know. I would have put heavy odds that the Sonic stay in Seattle, right? Like that's an even bigger market and you don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess a rod, I guess everyone's going to be doing, I think, I think if a rod buys the team, every player should have to do, a mirror selfie like A-Rod had in which he's just like about to make out with his reflection. That's got to be the new intro for the games. I think that's what it's got to be. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, all right. <laughs> now, I'm going to lob a, a subject, and then I'm just going to walk away for a few minutes. Okay? Trey and Waz, what happened in the Lakers-Nets game with Dennis Schroeder and Kyrie Irving? Kyrie was getting um, fish filleted and caught feelings. That's it. <laughs> That's that's the long and the okay. short. He was getting rocked okay. and bopped, and you know he has a, you know he has a thing still. Obviously, he's salty towards LeBron, and that's LeBron's team. So there's a little extra sauce on it, but that's all that happened. He was getting worked. Okay. Mm, I don't I don't know about the narrative with LeBron because they're cool. They actually cool. Dog. Are they? 
Yeah, they are. Who are, are they frenemies? I wouldn't even say that. I think they're cool. I think they're cool. But to the point was, you're right. Dennis was having an amazing first half. If he didn't, if he doesn't mess up his hip, he 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 gonna he gonna crack that game for sure. But I'm not rolling with the refs. The refs gotta let this go, bro. Like it messed up the entire game because although I'm I'm happy for Laker Nation, you know, to get their, you know, put on their their championship belts this morning. Um but overall, that threw off everything. Yes, these guys are talking. Yes, these guys are kind of shoving a little bit. No punches were going to be thrown. Um, and then they could have just went back and played. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, you know, Schroeder made a comment, you know, that, you know, was alleged that he said this, that got Kyrie upset. And Kyrie reacted the way he did. So be it, whatever. Um, but I think the refs... I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of of, of tossing guys for yeah, that. So, uh, all right, I am going to jump in here real quick and ask this question. Um, so, based on the exchange between those two, and then there's video towards the end of that exchange, right before Kyrie gets tossed, where he's just yelling. It looks like he's just yelling, "Watch your fucking mouth," right? Or why? Or watch yeah. it, watch your mouth with me, yeah. or something like that. Um, he's saying that kind of over and over, and I, and I think that's when the referees are like, "All right, English is his second language." Kyrie. My, he's trying to say Kyrie's Australian, bro. It was a bat. It was a battle. It was a battle of countrymen, bro. Australia versus Germany, bro. If, if yeah. we're looking at it for the jokes, Dennis Schroeder has a history oh. of pissing people off. I feel he like. does. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, no, he, John Wall. He, he's a real. He has, he's like, a I, I can he remember is, back is. when he's the Celtics troll. and Hawks were playing each other. I think it was in the playoffs. Um, Might have been the year after they met each other in the playoffs. Like. Isaiah had headbutted Isaiah Thomas had headbutted Dennis Schroeder or something like that. And then the, I think it was a year later, Schroeder came back and said, Isaiah like cussed at his mom or something. I have never been at a more electric press conference than Isaiah gave the day after that, in which he, he concluded from this point on, I don't even want to talk about Dennis Schroeder because he's not even on the level that I'm trying to be on, (laughs) but he went absolutely nuts. And it, Isaiah would talk trash and stuff, but that was the one guy that really got most under his skin. It was the one guy he felt like insulted him to a level that he had to come back like that. And I've seen it with Dennis Schroeder with a lot of guys. He's just an irritant. And I, I like that in a player. Like, that's a that's a good quality yeah, to have, I think, we in a lot of cases. <laughs> but but he pisses a lot of people off. Um, Yeah, it's what he does. It's part of his game is to get under people's skin is to do the stuff that's on the line, like, you know, give you that he's shove the at menace. the end of the whistle, like, right at the end. And, like, he's he's trying to piss people off on a basically possession-by-possession possession basis. And, you know, Kyrie took the bait, and that's what happened. And Kyrie never does that. Like, Kyrie is normally very level-headed and while well, he's on a basketball court and, like, doesn't <laughs> doesn't really get into a lot of that stuff. So that well, he's never been tossed. That was out of character. Yeah, oh, he never gets first technicals injection? any of that. Wow, that was his first career I didn't ejection. Know that. So for that to happen, it was just kind of like, hmm, okay, ref. <laughs> you know what I mean? I understand he's upset, but like, you you know, like you're still in the show right now, and I, I just I just think that was just all bad on their behalf. But so I yeah. love it too because it sets up this. This is setting up for a possible final series. And now there's just a, a little bit of bad blood between Schroeder and Kyrie. And I like that. Jay, I, don't, I like I don't that. Think, give, me, give me bad blood. I don't think that, um, I don't think Kyrie oh can boy. make his way to Miami at this point. So I don't know. How this oh going. boy. Here we go. <laughs> Waz already knew. Waz the more already I think knew about before. It, though, the more we, the, the, the more I think about it, the more, um, we, we need Brooklyn and LA in the finals. Cause it's just going to be so petty and ridiculous and just great if that could happen between, you know, KD and Bron's little thing, Kyrie, obviously Harden. It's it would be amazing if that could happen. And also, we get to make Mo Doc Hill look like an idiot for picking against the Nets once they got James Harden. Wait, so. he did? 
Are you, are you he picked against him? Mo told me, Mo, Mo was like, oh, you don't, yeah, come on, man. Defense is the thing. These guys, they already had scoring. They added a non-defender. Love, this oh, isn't going to work. No. Harden never passes anymore. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Mo. I'm Run on your Mo. head every single yep, time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Mo's not even here to defend himself. He, he had the opportunity. He's got, quote, unquote, time with family. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm not buying yeah, it. We're, we're a lot more important than most families. Exactly. Let's be honest. Jay King rushed home to get on this podcast. I was like Mario Andretti, just bobbing and weaving. Well, unless there's statute of limitations on that, and then you were driving responsibly. But um, all right, let. So, what do we think comes out of this? Because the conversation happening right now about uh, things not basketball related with this Kyrie stuff, do we think that do we think this is something the league can police? Because I don't really do. I really like. I don't see how the league can get involved in this other than this is the money. <laughs> that's so. That's whack, though. Like I don't. I don't listen. Culture wise, this is what we do, man. I don't. I don't. I, I'm not really feeling that part. On. I, I'm okay. I understand where Kyrie's coming from. You don't want to be called what you want to be called, but culturally, bro, really. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm I'm cool, man. That's that's worse than the rap apart stuff, bro. Because it's just it's, like you bring it, you bring in a whole nother attention. So that means now you're gonna put eyes on. It. If the league hit, jumps on this, that means anytime somebody says it, now everybody's gonna have that type of attention. And I don't think that I don't think the league right. needs Adam that. Adam Silver is not stupid enough. No, but they but because there's an ejection the of policing no, but, of fucking. No, but was because there's an ejection. There has to be like discussions of fines and stuff you know like there's like that's part of the process that's part of the system right we're gonna find wait hold on we're gonna find dennis schroeder for using the i don't N-word. know what we are going to do i just know that that has to be like when you get ejected from a game like they got to review stuff they got to figure out are there fines to be levied out on top of this right like there won't be a suspension because there are no punches thrown or anything but like there will be a a like, all right, do we find these guys now? I mean, that's what happened with the Lakers. Um, who was it? It was Lakers and somebody. Who who got flipped? Dennis Schroeder got flipped by somebody. Uh, whatever that that scuffle was. But like Montrez Harrell had to, you know, he got fined. Like other guys got fined for being involved in that. And when you get ejected, like that's just part of it. So I do wonder how the league handles that part of it. I mean. <laughs> No, I don't think that. I don't think they're, they're going to legislate. Up, like, what word can you use? That's what I'm but saying. like, they're going to come up with a reason, right? Right. But then, how the how fine. widely is that reason going to be accepted if they do levy a fine on top of this? That's going to look. That's. I mean, that's a dangerous game. <laughs> I mean, Kyrie coming, and and I know we're talking around it, but Kyrie coming on his Twitter to say, "Oh, some moratorium on a word," and. We're done with it. We're going to eradicate it. He's holding a funeral. He's holding a candlelight vigil on his timeline for the N-word because he's completely deluded and doesn't understand the nature of life. Um, So it's going to bring more attention that was unnecessary. And if you watch the video, Dennis Schroeder was just like, yo, bro, like, relax. It wasn't some... Yo, it wasn't even, he wasn't even aggressively coming at the dude. Kyrie is just, he's just extra, man. He is just extra. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to say too much because the bottom line is I always feel uncomfortable dissing public black people in public for stuff like this. But he's ridiculous. That's that's all I can say right now. Like he's kind well, of ridiculous. only thing I'm gonna say was about this is that with him doing that, it just welcomes or just a conversation in general welcomes outsiders just into this conversation. And then you just get a think piece, and then now you got to look at the whole highlight of something that's now not I gotta co- read about not, this one. Not worldly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to overall have a worldly acceptance of of what our culture is and what and how we talk to each other. You, you, uh, you know, is, you said is uh, you said he's being extra. You know, it's extra. Some extra wins on top of the Suns record that we weren't expecting. Huh? How about that for a transition? Mm, yeah, that was great. Professional radio, right there, uh, in a podcast form. Um, the Suns have been 
great to the point where after beating the Utah Jazz uh, last Wednesday, people started wondering, all right, is it time to put Chris Paul as an MVP candidate? And then they lost to the Clippers and Paul George said they were chirping too much. And so he had to give it to them. And then that kind of that conversation (laughs) kind of died a little bit. But this brings me into a greater conversation about who do we think deserves more of the credit uh, in terms of how this team is, is approached? And maybe this isn't even necessary, but is Chris Paul the reason for the Suns being as good as they are? Or is it Devin? Booker? Absolutely. Absolutely. Book, Book Book's is playing been great. exceptionally well. He's been cooking. He's been scoring like a madman. I know a lot of people want him in the MVP conversation. But when you look at the turnaround, the culture reset, the way how guys are carrying themselves, the confidence he has, Mikel Bridges playing really good. You know what I'm saying? And just, you know what I mean? Like, it's a different team. If you if you told me that the Phoenix Suns would be second in the West this season, I probably would have slapped you. <laughs> like, leaned into it like Michael and the Godfather, straight up. You know? But... At this point, like I'm, I'm happy for those dudes, man. They're uh, 17 and seven on the road, you know, 20 and eight at home, and then they just, you know, they're starting their win streak again. They just got one win, but overall, second in the West. Who, I, I, you know, I definitely wouldn't have seen that. I, I, I you know, I had them making the playoffs for sure, but they for real, dude. They for real. Monty, Monty gets credit. You know, uh, shouts to Willie Green on that staff and the rest of the coaches, Mark Bryant, et cetera, going down the line, but. Yeah, they, they're 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 the real Monty deal. Monty gets a lot of credit. I'm, I'm happy for him. He gets a lot of credit because yeah. this thing started to turn around before Chris Paul got there. Uh, yeah, I mean they were hot. Remember when they were? You know they had the eight game winning streak, and then they met up with the Lakers. This is when the Baines, Aaron Baines thing was going, and everybody was like, "Oh, they you know they might make the playoffs." And then obviously injuries hit, and the DeAndre Aiden uh, suspension at the beginning of the year made him lose 25 games. Um, but this season, man, it's a it's a complete turnaround. You know what I mean? The whole culture reset. Shouts to Jeff Bauer and um, James Jones too. Like they they got it rolling over there for sure. Yeah, and they they're I think top six in both offense and defense. So they kind of have the statistical profile of a, a contender. Obviously, they're not going to be a favorite with the Lakers or the Nets or the Clippers or other teams that have done it before, but. But you you look at what they've done so far, and if you just looked at what they've done, you'd be like, you know what, why not? And obviously, there's more to it than that. But like I said, I I think this started in the bubble, and it it was it started with a commitment to defense. And I think people are often too late to come around. Devin Booker has has been great, and I think for a while he was in that like. Trey Young category where guys are like, yeah, he puts up a lot of numbers, but what's he actually doing to win? Well, he's hell. <laughs> he's really freaking good. And then you add Chris Paul to the mix. You had a bunch of tough guys. Bridges plays a ton of defense. Javon Carter is as tough as it gets. Like they just have a, a list, Jay Crowder, a list of of dogs around Chris Paul and Devin Booker who are so good with the basketball in their hands. And and then Monty put it all together and changed the culture there. I love what the Suns are doing this year. I love the way they're playing. I I think they're going to be really, really damn tough to beat in the playoffs by anybody. Yeah, I think Chris Paul definitely brings a level of professionalism and organization to what they're doing, right? Like, they feel like a professional team when you watch them. Like, there's a purpose to what they do on offense. They play defense with a purpose together, Um, The effort level on a night-to-night basis is there, right? Um, Me and Zach live in Los Angeles where we watch it before LeBron and AD got hurt. We watched him literally try to (laughs) conduct a science experiment in which they said, how do we win as much games while never actually lifting a finger, right? The Suns are not that. They play hard every single freaking game. Um, but that being said, Chris Paul identified them as a team that he would love to play for based off of what they did in the bubble. They went undefeated. They obviously didn't make it to the playing tournament, but they proved themselves to be like, wow, there's like a there's like a foundation for a real NBA team right there. And like Jay King, I'm a freaking huge fan of Devin Booker's. Um, I can't wait to watch him in the playoffs because 
in those big possessions where it's just like, all right, somebody has to try to check this guy one-on-one, good luck. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about what they're doing, and I do think Chris Paul gets a big, big, um, big credit, big props for what's happening. He ain't no damn MVP, but he deserves the, the props. Well, so who do you trust more in the playoffs coming up, Utah or Phoenix? Um, Utah, as much as we talk crazy about Rudy on here and what his shortcomings will be in the playoffs, I think Phoenix's big man rotation is a problem in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's not it's gonna Aiden cut it. And then it's like Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky. Saric, that's, that's, that's not right. gonna get it done. <laughs> so I, I like, I like the fact that Utah is strong up front on the back line. Like they have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Suns don't have it. Aiton has basically regressed on defense somehow. I don't know how. We gave him all his credit last year for the strides that he took from his rookie year. And now he's, like, back to being a pumpkin. So, I think Phoenix's big man rotation is going to be there down. I think think Aiton's better defensively than you give him credit for, but he's inconsistent for sure. Yeah, he's inconsistent for sure. Um, It might be one of those things of, like, playing up or down to the competition because he was great against Utah, right? He was phenomenal against, against Rudy Gobert. Like he, he played an incredible game. Um, I, if you could see that from him consistently, like that's an all-star level dude. I would love for that matchup to happen. I just, I want that to be a series. Just see him duke it out. You know, seeing, you know, overall, I think Chris Paul, Mike Conley, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Aiden, as, as a, Joe Ingles, Joe Crowder. Jay, as I mean, of right now, though, Trey, that would need to be a conference finals matchup. Huh? All right. All right. Let's settle down. Uh, we just we'll got to settle down. I just got to say before we move on, I am damn excited to see Devin Booker in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. It is going to be so much fun to watch amazing. Devin Booker in the playoffs. Like he He's a gamer. He's tough. He's a competitor. And there are very few guys in the league that can slow him down. I think Devin Booker is going to have like two or three big time moments in the playoffs that people are like, oh, yeah, this dude's been doing this for a long time. It's, it's about time he got a shot. Yeah, I mean, and he does that Breaking thing news. that everybody, you know, dorks like us. Oh, that's a bad shot. But Devin Booker is amazing at taking hard shots and making them. And in the playoffs, oftentimes, those are the only shots you could get. So... I'm yeah, not rolling with those with you nerds about, oh, what a bad shot. Come on. You got to get a better shot than that. Man, hero ball's fun. Okay? And <laughs> exactly. I'm looking exactly. for We heroes. got some breaking news. <laughs> not Tyler. James Wiseman has torn his meniscus. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's the news that just came out is that James Wiseman has torn him, suffered a torn meniscus in his right knee. I know there were hopes that this wasn't going to be a major injury. Um, there's definite ways you can go about this you can have some of the meniscus cut away and removed and it brings you back quicker uh, but it also creates long-term problems you can get arthritis in the knee pretty easily if you repair it it takes a much longer time to to come back from um, which would I mean I think both ways effectively end his season uh, I guess maybe if they if they cut away from it and gave him the quicker timeline to come back maybe he'd be back for the playoffs I don't I don't think that's that's right though um, the Warriors are going to the playoffs. Well, playing tournament. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the playing tournament would have been. <laughs> you think the Kings are going to catch him? Wash chose violence. Too. By the way, <laughs> it's clear. Before a recent point of contention episode, I had Marcus Thompson and Jay King telling me, "Oh, I can't be excited about the Kings. Kings are doing this. Kings are doing that. Look what happened since then. They ain't won a damn game." Hold on! Don't put me no, in that. No, that no. was you Marcus. That Marcus was only that. Don't Marcus. Don't you dare run from that, you coward! You started talking about <laughs> the Kings this and Kings that, and I said, "No, they're the Kings. Are always going to be the Kings." I had nothing to do you're, with that. You're out of your mind. All. It's possible I'm misremembering that, but I'm lumping you in anyway. I don't care. <laughs> um, that sucks, though, man. For James Wiseman, tough rookie yeah. year. 
just tough. Um, you know, the Warriors were kind of in this place where obviously they want to make the playoffs organizationally, but you know, the investment of a number two overall pick in the draft dictates that you got to play this guy. Right. And in order to see what you got, in order to see him develop, <clears throat> sorry, et cetera, et cetera. But then Steve Kerr's like, but I want to win. Well, so he starts jerking the kid around with minutes and clearly he lost his confidence at a certain point. Um, I seen Sam Svendiari, friend of the pod, uh, tweet something where, you know, the numbers said that Wiseman is best when operating in pick and roll with Steph Curry, yet Curry refuses to call those plays. Well, well, the other part of that, too, is Draymond is best in pick and roll, too, with, with Steph. Right. And those are your, your two best players. So if, if you're running pick and roll with Wiseman, like, what does Draymond do? And that's part of the difficulty of fitting Draymond in, and that's part of why they had to have such a had such a perfect roster, like where Draymond would just go small ball center. And now it's different. And now they have to figure out how to play with Wiseman. I think he kind of had a snake bitten injured year. If, if I remember correctly, he missed the start at training camp. Training camp was shorter in the first place. Nobody got summer league. Like he has every excuse for, for having a, a tough rookie season. He barely played it all in college. I want to see what he does moving forward. Cause he has moments where you're just like, wow, that dude could be special. Well, and he, every once in a while, he has moments where you're like, okay, I see it with him, but it's just, it was too few and too far between this year. And he, he needs a lot than, of development. Um, LaMelo Ball? No. No. <laughs> no. No. I'm not saying Lamella's that. Uh, well, this is, my, this is my issue with the whole James Wiseman conversation, right? Is I don't believe, unless you're a bad team, I don't believe in just saying, yes, the the rookie gets to play as much as he wants and we're going to run all these things for him. If you're a competitive team or hoping to be a competitive team, like who was playing ahead of James Wiseman? Was it Kevon Looney? Yeah. If James Wiseman, like Kevon Looney's a fine role player, but if James Wiseman can't prove that he should have minutes over Kevon Looney, like what are we doing there? I think you can, I think you can create competition for minutes I'm not saying Steve Kerr handled this perfectly or handled this well necessarily. I just don't think it's the disaster that Warriors Twitter who seemed to have a vendetta against the the coach that helped them win a couple of championships. Um, I don't think like there seems to be this vendetta against him that I, I know is highly performative for certain leaders of that conversation. But then the rest of the people don't seem to get that. Like it's kind of like a Stugatzian like approach of like, he's just saying stuff. And then other people are like, yeah, that stuff makes sense. It's like, eh, maybe not really like Steve Kerr's somewhere in the middle on this. And so I think for James Wiseman, like he's clearly good. I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be an amazing NBA player, but I don't have a problem with the dude having to earn minutes over Kavon Looney. I don't think that's a high bar to ask him to clear. And if you're trying to win games and trying to make the playoffs, I think that makes those that earning those minutes even more of a developmental process, like an even higher bar to set in terms of like what this could mean for you down the road, because it's showing like, yo, you have to learn how to win now. And I think that's okay to ask when you're paired next to Steph Curry and Draymond Green. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. And let's be honest. If, if, if I'm re-signing Steph to a long-term deal and I'm basically obviously locked into clay, that kid is trade bait, man. He's trade bait. They gonna they gonna try to get more stuff in there to actually do some real winning. I don't think he's long for the Warriors franchise. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, Da David Aldridge, you know, put the idea out there of like, yo, should the Warriors be going for Bradley Beal, right? Like, they sh- should they be putting these assets primarily that Timberwolves pick for this year, but um, that's top three protected. But should they be putting these assets toward trying to go get that guy? And I'm gonna guess that if the Wizards are gonna give up Bradley Beal to the Warriors, they're gonna want Wiseman and that pick. Right. If Drew Holiday goes for five first, you know, with all the pick swaps and everything, I'm pretty sure you can get Wiseman and the Wolves pick at least for Bradley Beal. Thanks, Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Milwaukee. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I don't know that James Wiseman is going to be long for that team. Unless- How can you justify not getting Bradley Beal to keep James Wiseman? Right. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, that's... <laughs> It's just, it's, 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 it's just a ridiculous proposition there. Like, 
whoever, whatever, Jalen Suggs, whoever you think is going to be Cade Cunningham, whoever you think is going to be some, you know, the next Jesus, right? Um, even if you think that about them, Bradley Beal is an incredible player right now, and he's and he's still young. So how do you not make that move to lock in a guy like that for these young dudes who clearly when you get them in-house, they're young, so they're scrubs. I mean, it's, if you can, but but are we sure Wiseman has a ton of trade value? Like, obviously, he's, it's a great he was the number two pick, uh, but he, he's coming off like a, a pretty bad rookie season from a standpoint of actually impacting winning. He... Like, nobody was sure about that draft in the first place, the top of that draft, how many guys were actually good. And LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards have had, like, really promising rookie seasons. But it wasn't like he was a no-brainer number two pick that everyone loved in the first place. So I, I, I'm not sure if he's, like, I, the I, super, obviously he has some value. Like, he, he, he has a lot of talent, a lot of potential. But I'm just not sure it's, like, home run Bradley Beal like centerpiece of Bradley Beal. I guarantee you value. there are 20 teams out there. that would be like, fuck yes. Let me get James Wiseman. I guarantee like he's before the, maybe the meniscus injury will hurt that a little bit, but before like, no, the, like he's, he's regarded as still like this guy could be something good. This guy could be something special. Yeah. He shows flashes. Yeah, like just- people will take the flashes. I, and I just, the whole, like, I see what you're saying about the impact winning thing, but I still go back to this all the time of like, Rookies don't impact winning. No. It's very, very rare. Like, look at how good and smart Tyrese Halliburton plays, right? As a rookie. Look at that team. You put them you on it, you take them off. The Kings it's again. the same team. You know? Also, big man's the new running back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm not... I'm not falling in love with these dudes, man. Big man's a new running back. Fun. I'll find a Claxton somewhere. What? I'll figure it out. I, I, I'll find a Jared Allen before that. I'll fi- I'll figure it out. I'm not I'm not getting obsessed with some big man prospect that I got. Like, please get me a wing who's gonna dominate Hashtag in the postseason. Don't pay big man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're sick, man. Trying, trying to eliminate to a position like that, tax, man. Look at that. <laughs> What the hell? You got Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Bam Adebayo. All these guys having amazing also, seasons. Also, I think we're at the point now in the season, 50 games in, where I can officially say Warriors fans owe me an apology. Oh, wow. oh he's demanding when the apology. I told apology. y'all y'all was going to be trash this year in preseason. I say your team's going to be trash. Are they trash? <laughs> Steph's going to get busy. But your team's going to be trash. Your team's going to be average. Which, let's face it, a lot of people came into the season thinking, well, we got Oubre. Well, we did this. Well, They're you know, 25 and 28. Bad. They're pretty trash. No, that's that's <laughs> a bad... They're in the, in the West, okay? They're over. You put them in the honestly. East, they'd be over 500. But yeah, I said, this team's not going to be very good at all. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I, I have a hard time figuring out how this team can make the playoffs. And they came after me, of course, because that's what people do on Twitter. But nobody's hit me up to say sorry. So I'm officially declaring to Warriors Nation, I still got love for y'all. At Big Was. But apologize to me. Y'all owe me an apology. I'm waiting for it. At Big Was. It's <laughs> a real odd. Fill up his mentions with apologies. Real odd list of demands here. Tour is crazy. It's a real odd <laughs> ransom note. I don't understand what's happening right now. All right, we're going to end it on this. Uh, a little game I like to call Let's Have the MVP Conversation. Jade, throw some game show music in there and then cut it out real quick because I hate that stuff underneath talking. Um, all right, so this is based on my my latest awards rankings from this past Thursday, which you can find on The Athletic. These were my top five MVP candidates right now, okay? And Waz is going to take a little bristle at this number five, but Steph Curry was in there who was previously not ranked, but when he sat out and they lost by 53 points, I felt like, all right, there's some value that shows some value right there. He came back, dropped 37, 41. Like he's been having a time, but he'll probably move out of the top five this week. Yo, make Steph Curry's statue tomorrow (laughs) and erect it right now in front of Honestly, it's rude. After you say sorry to Big Waz. Yeah, (laughs) let's order of operations here. After you apologize Apologize to Big Big Waz and then get the statue. Honestly, I think Chase Center should have been 
the building is in the shape of Steph's head, right? And then ever the entrance is just his mouth. That's what it should have been. And then maybe there's like a little bike rack coming out the side of that that looks like the mouth guard that he's chewing on. But that's what the Chase Center should have looked like. Somebody render that up. Make that look like an arena. Uh, but Steph was number five. Joel Embiid was number four. Giannis was number three. Damian Lillard was number two. And Jokic was number one for the uh, the top five in MVP rankings this past week. And that will change dramatically this week. But if I throw out Chris Paul, LeBron James, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, and James Harden, who deserves to move their way into that top five MVP conversation? Harden. Harden. Okay. Yeah. Harden. He, this whole Nets thing is happening. He was there. Yeah, he was there the previous week. I, man, I just, I know, I think I've mentioned on the pod before. I love the idea of a guy tanking to get out of a, get out of a bad situation. <laughs> and then winning, and then MVP. winning MVP in the same season with the new situation he got to. I legitimately love that idea. The Brooklyn thing is rolling because Harden yeah, is rolling. For sure. You know, like it, he's controlling the whole flow. And so you got to give him the credit. He's been he's been amazing, dude. He's the most consistent. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, with Durant out, they were 20 and 4. And that was a that was because of Harden, bro. Like, you know, Kai came back and you know, he did some things too, but like consistently night in night out, like Kai missed 3 days. Then he was out another time. Then you got Blake Griffin on, you know, restrictions and all this other stuff. And he's playing with the Chiozas, the Claxtons, the, you know, Bruce Browns. You can go down the line and he's getting it done, you know. And, you know, for him to go down and, and against the, the Knicks. And he's been working out. He's going hard. But they're just monitoring it. They don't really need him back tomorrow, right. you know. And I think he deserves the rest because he, 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 was, he was doing it. He broke so many records. He was averaging a triple-double almost. So then let me ask this. Let me ask this. Um, should Donovan Mitchell be in this conversation? Number one record in the league? He's been phenomenal? Nope. No? I think he should be in the, I think he should be welcome to the conversation. I don't okay. think he's top five, though. Just because I, I feel like it's... I don't, I, I don't think it's fair to him to say it's inconsistent. It's because he's been hooping. Um... But it's not. I think. I think they're 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 rolling as a team. Honestly, it, it it's 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 more than just one individual. Like if he was to miss some games, I still think that they could kind of yeah. pull something off. You know, like I don't I don't because Rudy Gobert's. I still feel like I said. Wall says we pick on them all the time, but Rudy still he gets busy. He's uh, getting, he gets busy, bro. <laughs> he really does it. He's just he's just not. He doesn't have a sexy name. That's Mitchell's- it. He's not a sexy name, but respectively, he does what he does. Mitchell's, and I, I'll give Mitchell's him that. fantastic. He's just not as efficient on a possession to possession basis as like the top top guy. Yeah. Like you, you know, Jokic is going to get your offense a great look basically every time down. You know, James Harden is going to get your offense a great look. LeBron is going to do that. Dame Lillard is going to do that. With Donovan, it's more like trick or treat. And obviously, he's grown a lot and just he's grown a lot of decision making. He, he's grown a lot as a shooter. Like he's made a lot of strides there. But to me, he's just not quite playing that that game of chess like some of those other guys are would y'all be fine with him being six out of the top five like on the outside looking in on the cusp yeah, yeah. He, i mean he's close yeah, he's really team's been awesome I, I would give him six so zach i have right, i have five? my five right or could we do the so jazz I, starting five get out of here get out of here with your Atlanta hawks <laughs> The Some Utah Hawks, bro. <laughs> Yo, just just um, let me know when they get to the conference finals, and then we can actually begin to have this talk because the Hawks made it to the conference final. So at oh one, Jaden just hit us with let me know when the Jazz get to the conference finals. That's crazy, bro. All Millsap, Al Horford, baby. Oh man, Damari Carroll, so baby. I got Jokic at one. I got Lillard at two. Um, I got Embiid at three. And I got Giannis at four. And then I got Harden and um Chris Paul kind of A and B. So you got you got six in the top five. Yeah. But I just got like a half. Like they had to share had okay. to share their fifth vote. Just out of respect for Chris Paul, but like and out of respect for James Harden because James is out too. And I feel like when you're out, you yeah. kind of drop off. Like Embiid should honestly yeah, slide. Yeah, Embiid, Embiid slid big time for me. But he had a but he had a strong 
majority first half for me to keep. Yeah, and he's been he's been killer since it would be a it would be a discredit for me to have him at the four. You know what I'm saying? Because Tobias Harris obviously is doing his thing too. Shouts to Philly, but um, yeah, I got to give it to it's right now. It's between Lillard and um. Jokic for me. Yeah, I think I think Jokic is a clear number one right now. But if I think if Portland can catch Denver, which I don't know how they're going to do it because Denver's record the rest of the season or schedule the rest of the season is pretty easy. Um, but if if Portland can catch Denver, then I think Dame's got a real shot at it. Other than that, I think it's Jokic. Waz, you got a top five? Um, no, <laughs> I just think Jokic is the MVP. Yeah. Once Embiid went down, they were neck and neck, obviously. And I think Embiid had it with the slight defensive edge, right? Um, And he's played so consistently with effort and focus this year. I thought he had it. But once he went down and Jokic's team is just getting, climbing the rankings steadily, it's Jokic. It's Jokic. I don't don't really think there's there's any question at this point. Like, I love what Dame is doing, of course, because, like, Talk about injuries suffered and just carrying the team like he did that. But to me, it's Jokic. And he's been so crazy in the clutch. Dame has. Dame's yeah. been so crazy in clutch, but Jokic has just kind of pulled away with this thing. And if you think about Embiid's case too, like by the time the season's over, he'll probably have missed about 20 games. In a in an already shortened season, like that's just going to be too much. Same with LeBron, right? It's like LeBron's going to have missed way too yeah. many games for this to for him to really finish. I don't even know if he'll finish in the top five. Even when he comes back, like I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do to to get into consideration if that's even possible. But even top five, like he may have missed just too much time at this point. Um, but that's gonna do it for the latest edition of Let's Have the MVP Conversation here on the Athletic NBA Show's Basket Buds Edition. Uh, thanks to Jay King, to Wazi Lambre, to Trevon Edwards. I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked in on the Athletic.